Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. After I had the rape, I was invited into my uh, missions director slash women's ministry leader. She was both into her office and I had no idea what she was going to ask me. I got to her office and she asked me to lead the missions trip that following summer. And I completely broke down. I told her all the pain, everything that's been going on, how unequipped I was, how clearly she was not hearing from the Lord because I am not even thinking if I want to follow the Lord at that point. My faith was very rocky. And she looked at me and said, this is exactly why I think you need to lead because God is going to come through and showcase his glory in your weakness and in your brokenness because you have nothing to offer. And that's when God, that's when God shines. Trauma. It can leave even the most devoted Christians wondering, where is God in all of this? Lost, disappointment, and hardship take a toll, stealing joy and hope from those who need it most. Have you been there? You're not alone. Today's guest, Nicole Jacobs-Meyer, has been through plenty of trauma in her life, but she, in the end, was able to take back her joy, and she wants you to do the same. She's going to share her story and give you steps on how you can head towards joy coming up today on Connections. We're joined today by Nicole Jacobs-Meyer. She is a wife, a mother. An author, like you just mentioned, it's your first book, and we're going to get around to that book in just a little bit. But when we look at you, when you speak, and with all that you've accomplished, there's there's plenty of joy. But that hasn't always been your life. You've experienced plenty, and especially trauma along the way. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so I would say it was about in my early 20s, more than a decade ago, I Grew up in a Christian family, but I was not prepared for trials and trauma and pain. And it was around that time that I had a horrific experience and was actually raped. And that was what broke me. I felt like God had betrayed me. I felt like he was not looking out for me. Like I read about in the Bible about being my protector, being my stronghold, my shield, my fortress, all these things that I read, it just didn't feel true because of my own circumstances. And then fast forward all these years, I've walked through miscarriage and cancer and solo parenting and just dealing with a slew of other things that you get to that point of brokenness and darkness that the only thing that you can do is either ask the really tough questions um, and just be so focused on what God is either doing in front of you or you walk away because I think trials are probably the main thing that bring people away from the faith. What was it like in the midst of all the difficulty, um, not only struggling with your own faith then, but then did you feel like pressure from people around you? Like, oh, you just have to have faith. Come on, pick yourself up. God's got a big plan for you. (laughs) Jeremiah 29, 11. Yes. I think it's so easy to go there. You know, you read about the Proverbs 31 woman who laughed at the days to come and she was Mm. just a woman of strength and dignity. And and you don't really realize what it took to probably get there. Or you read James 1, 2, where it says, consider it joy when you face trials. And you read those things and it just feels so 
distant because you know you have everything you need in a relationship with the Lord. He equips you. He is close to the brokenhearted. He, the spirit intercedes for us. We know all these things, but at the same time, it's like, that is not what helps in the moment. And it's hard to be able to, um, almost have this, this relationship with the Lord that's honest and free, but also focused on what you're actually learning through it. It just is a cycle that it's, it's hard to put on that face. What was your faith like in all of this? Obviously there, there would have been a roller coaster of ways that you were feeling uh, about God during this. I think it was different for each trial. I think with um, the rape in the very beginning, I was going to walk away from my faith. Absolutely. And there was nothing that I felt like could pull me back. Thankfully, there were some major God interventions in that season that helped me get back on track and and at least start reading the Bible again, start serving again, start questioning, but also finding answers. But I think with cancer, that just made me so angry, to be honest. Like it just brought in this because it wasn't just me anymore. It was also, how is this going to work for my husband? How is this going to work for my kids? There was other people involved at that time. And while it still felt personal, I just got so angry. And I I hate that. <laughs> That's like my first initial reaction to pain is just anger. Like, why is this happening to me? Which I now know, you know, that's a whole thing with the theology of suffering is completely different, right? But it's it's definitely anger for me, unfortunately. Which is not necessarily, I don't know, it's, it's not ideal maybe, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It right. shows there's something wrong. It's pretty natural. Um, but, you know, you've gone from anger now to joy, and you've written about it in your new book, Take Back Your Joy. Uh, why was this really important for you to focus on on the present rather than dwelling on all those things that happened to you or kind of like looking forward longingly to the future when it was all over kind of thing? Right. I mean, I think right now, which is the present, that's all we're promised. We're not promised tomorrow. We are only promised today. And that is where God is working. He's moving and working in and through us today. And so I think for me being able to shift that perspective on going from this just brokenness and anger and all of that and realizing he, I have today and he is my fortress right now. And I have to go to the word, like knowing that for, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed and, and holding on to truths that my suffering is not wasted, that the whole purpose is to be made more like his son and to give him that glory through my pain. And as hard as that is, and as angry as I felt, you know, being able to focus on my daily bread, which was right before me, the kids that I have, the people in my circle of influence, that is what slowly helped pull me out. Where do we start? How do we start taking back our joy? <laughs> I think, honestly, the two biggest things I always go back to are knowing the word and knowing the truth about God's character, because 
in in all of this, yes, we can watch our words, we can forgive, we can have this joy through um, service and not complaining. All of these things are absolutely necessary, but it starts with knowing the word. It starts with having this relationship with Christ to where we can go back to scripture and know that God's not out to get us, that he's not just happy to give us all this pain, right? I mean, thinking about God in the way that I viewed him all those years ago, and even a few years ago, just with the whole cancer situation, you know, it shows that I didn't understand the God that I served. And it also showed that I didn't know my place at the foot of the cross. And I had that pride and that selfishness. And of course, after trauma, it's it's okay to go there and to have these hard conversations with the Lord and and working out our faith and salvation, right? But it just was so important to have that foundation of scripture so that I was able to look at the pain in a completely different lens and have that joy knowing that joy is the assurance that Christ is with me regardless of what I go through, regardless of the mountaintops and the valleys and the in-between, I have Christ with me, hope of glory. Amen. And I like what you mentioned too. Like you said, look through a different lens. Speaking of looking through a different lens, you also touch on uh, social media stealing our joy, right? And this is something uh, my wife and I paid a lot of attention to, especially this year. I had to step away from social media for a season, which as Colleen can tell you is very hard for me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but very. <laughs> it, really, it really can impact us, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and how it impacts our joy? Yeah. I mean, every time I go on there, it can just be such a joy stealer, especially if you're scrolling and looking at your pain and your present circumstances. And then you look at all of these people and what they're going through and the vacations that they're taking and the babies they just had and the house they just bought. And it just gets you wrapped up in this like gimme stage, right? Of like, I need this. I I am not content with what God has given me. And you become so focused on everyone else's lane that you forget all that God is doing right in front of you. And I just think it's so important to set boundaries. And I think that's great. You know, if you have to take a break, you got to do it (laughs) because it's so hard. Yeah. I see a lot of people talking too about like, um, you know, I just found so many people also negative. Uh, My wife openly admits like she looks at social media and struggles with comparison I look and I just get bombarded by negativity from people and it weighs on me. And I finally started just, you know, muting them or unfollowing them. And people say, well, you need those different voices or else you're in an echo chamber. And I say, yes, I want an echo chamber of happiness and joy and positivity. I don't need all their negativity. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we have to be refreshed and know that we're not alone in our sufferings. And I think that that's sometimes why we hop on. We're like, oh, we're not alone in our motherhood (laughs) or our job or the what a relationship that we're in. Like it's not we're not the only one facing that specific trial, but that's always the wrong place to go because we know the validation is not going to come from social media and it never will, but we keep going back to it, which is so sad. (laughs) (laughs) Great reminder to just, you know, like Mike said, take a break, 
get away from it for a little bit. There are some good things. Yep. There are, but take a break if you can. Yes. In your book, you write about service as an important bridge from pain to purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but you say that it may not always be time to cross that bridge. Tell us more about that and then the value and timing of service. Yeah, so service holds such a key place and value in my story because after I had the rape, I was invited into my uh, missions director slash women's ministry leader. She was both into her office and I had no idea what she was going to ask me. I thought she was going to say, you know, you're clearly not the same Nicole you were a couple months ago. Like, what's your deal? I didn't, I didn't know if she was going to confront me, but I got to her office and she asked me to lead the missions trip that following summer. And I completely broke down. I told her all the pain, everything that's been going on, how unequipped I was, how clearly she was not hearing from the Lord because I am not even thinking if I want to follow the Lord at that point. My faith was very rocky. And she looked at me and said, this is exactly why I think you need to lead because God is going to come through and showcase his glory in your weakness and in your wow. brokenness because you have nothing to offer. And that's when God, that's when God shines. Right. And I just, I knew that I needed to do it because that is what slowly pulled me out of that trench was that service and that responsibility to this team. And, um, it almost made me feel like I needed to step up my spiritual game, but in a good way, not in like a forced way, but I needed to open the word. I needed to go to the Lord more in prayer. I needed to do these things. And it it became a, like I said, not the force, but a joy to serve. But I also know that sometimes after trauma, jumping into service immediately is absolutely not a great idea. And I think that that's just walking in step with the spirit of what is going to heal and what that first step of healing looked like. But for me and my story, it was absolutely service. And maybe having a, a wise leader, like you had a really wise leader there with you, right? And they knew and they can help you discern, is it right now or is it later? Yeah. And, um, yeah. You also, you write very honestly, as we mentioned before, about your miscarriage, uh, the grief um, that you experienced with that. What do you What do you recommend to other women that are going through that? What do they need to be doing to help them uh, grieve and recover from such a traumatic experience? Yeah. I just think being so honest with the Lord is where we always need to go, right? Before the Lord at his feet in all of our brokenness, all of our questions, and just completely surrender those doubts and all those feelings. And also sharing in other people's sufferings always helps me maybe not like restore joy right away because there's so much deep pain and grieving and that process is long, but being able to know that other women, so many women have gone through that. And it's such a, I don't want to say joy in a way that we think of joy, like happy, because that's not obviously the joy that we're talking about, but it is a joy to know that you are not alone and that God gives us community for a reason. And we can walk through this life with more people surrounding us. And I cannot tell you how many times that I have felt so alone in exactly what I'm going through and thinking, 
I'm the only one that's going through this. The only person in the entire world, because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do is to isolate us and to draw us to a place where we don't trust anyone. We don't love anyone else. We're just focused on our misery. And that's a sad, dark place to be. But when we're able to be honest before the Lord and also be honest with those people around us, God uses that. And I saw so many more people say, oh my goodness, me too, me too. Now, let me share my story with you. And that community that God brings is just, it is beautiful. And it is, it's like that hard, beautiful, you know? I'm sure you also had a community around you during your cancer experience. Mm -hmm. You say that this time too is the time where you decided to not focus on your own agenda, but instead the Lord's uh, agenda. Um, how did gratitude impact the that mind sh mindset shift, and and what is the what is the correlation between gratitude and joy? I was on my bed just writhing in pain, basically hating my life and trying to heal, trying to realize that this go-getter personality was no longer alive. <laughs> you know, that was far <laughs> gone. And I had to watch other people serve and watch other people be the hands and feet of Christ to our family. And my husband did everything. He started his first year of residency. He was in his intern year the same week I had surgery and he had to play all the different roles and he had to be basically my own doctor as well because he had to, you know, wash my hair, wipe my bottom, change my mm. neck drains, all this nasty stuff that you never think you're going to do in your thirties and seeing the joy and gratitude that came from my heart in that season of just overwhelm that God has given me these people, this husband in this time, he didn't have to, you know, I could have dealt with cancer a long time ago and had not a lot of people surrounding me, but God just did exactly what I, I knew he was going to come through, but it was like in a way that was way more than I thought. And this, this idea of gratitude and joy, like when we have praise on our lips and we are thankful and like, you see it, you know, you see those people that have the joy of the Lord, that they, they're not faking it. They're not just smiling at everything and being weird. They are rejoicing that they have God. They have Christ with them, regardless of anything that they walk through. And that is joy. And that makes you so grateful and just lips full of thankfulness. You know, like talking about joy it's great to have and you come to God with praise. Often when I face difficulties now, I sing the doxology to myself. Mm. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Is it okay, though, if we come to God with lament? You did mention a couple minutes ago, I guess, being honest with God about your feelings, right? Is lament okay? Is complaining to a friend okay? What do you think? Oh, I absolutely think there's a time and a place for all of that. I think we... I, if you're a verbal processor, especially like I am, I needed to vent my deepest feelings to either a counselor or my husband or a best friend. You have to have that because if you don't, then you're holding back. And once you hold on, 
it, it just musters up in you. And that's when like that anger and bitterness and resentfulness come. But if you're able to go to somebody who loves you and who also trusts the Lord in your situation, you're going to be able to be real and honest and say, these are my doubts. These are my questions. I hate my situation. I'm angry. All of the things and be able to have somebody on the receiving end, just be a listening ear, but also point you in the right direction. I also think there's a difference between like a complaining cycle where now all of a sudden you've completely switched over into this very negative space where you're bringing everyone down with you. And I think we know when that happens. And like, if you're a parent out there, you know, because your kids will start (laughs) acting like that too. And that's when you know, okay, I've gone too far. I need to go back to my counselor, back to the Lord, back to my spouse and safe place, because now I'm bringing all my kids down with me and everyone around me. (laughs) What was that transition like from trauma to this joy? Because that's like complete opposite ends of the spectrum. There had to have been a few hiccups or whatnot along the way. What was that like to finally be in that spot where you can take back your joy? I think as I read so many verses throughout scripture about suffering and pain and being able to relate it to my own story. I mean, even just like the man that was born blind and the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what is this? Is is he blind because of his parents' sin? Is it his sin? You know, they wanted an answer to why he was born blind. And Jesus said, it's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And the more I read throughout scripture, that's just one of dozens and dozens about suffering and pain. And Job, how his act of worship was to obey and to keep going and loving the Lord despite all the hardships that he was going through. And if I'm supposed to be called to that, and if I'm supposed to suffer well with and for Christ, if I'm supposed to see my suffering as a privilege, like it says in Philippians, then I need to shift something. I need to take back this joy that Christ is calling us to. And if he, if I think it's a tall order and I think it's impossible well, I better go to the word and go to the Lord because he's not going to ask me something that's impossible with his strength. And so am I joyful all the time? Absolutely not. I have horrible days. Will I ever have pain? Uh, Absolutely. You know, and, (laughs) but it's just going back to the word of what is the theology of suffering and understanding that I've been praying to be made more like him since I was young, but I forget that, you know, We want to share in his sufferings and it's a privilege. We forget those verses of that long suffering and endurance and the obedience in it. We don't talk about that enough. And so when I did kind of shift that and realizing it's an honor and a privilege, that's when I started to have that joy. For our listeners out there that are looking for that joy, how can they just start taking the steps towards that? I think the first thing is always, like I've said, go read your Bible. Ask the Lord to just give you a verse that is going to keep you going and something that is truth that's not from the world, that's not an Instagram post, that's not 
just a pat answer, like God will never give you more than you can handle or (laughs) something like that. Something that is truth that you can stand on and know that God has so much love and that your pain is not wasted and standing on those truths. And if you need to write sticky notes all over your house, just to remind yourself so that the enemy doesn't have an open door to your soul. And I mean, just like the verse in Psalms definitely leave you with that, that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Standing on scripture like that, God will set our feet on solid ground. It, there will be restoration. There will be redemption. There will be hope and healing. It's just a matter of time. But God is so faithful and so good, and he's not going to waste it because he's not a wasteful God. No, he definitely is not. Uh, another step that people can take is picking up your book. That book is Take Back Your Joy, Fighting for Purpose When Life is More Than You Can Handle. How can our listeners find that book and how can they learn more about you? Yeah, so I'm basically on Instagram. That's my social media preferred place. <laughs> I'm Nicole.JacobsMeyer on there. I also have an author page, Nicole Jacobsmeyer, on Facebook. And then my website is NicoleJacobsMeyer.com. And you can find the book where books are sold. Fantastic. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.